Welcome to episode 78 of the Movie Brats Podcast. I'm Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. Are you ready to talk about some movies of 2023, Jonathan? Yes, and I think we need to say that, like last year, there's a film that would have been in my top 10, but we're recording it so late, one of them has already come out this year. I would have put Infinity Pool, Brandon Cronenberg's new film, in my 10 most anticipated and last year it was the woody allen movie that came out premiered rifkin's festival or whatever yeah yeah so it's like (laughs) you know we should do these like on january 1st uh but yeah these are the films the good movies usually don't come out till like april at least (laughs) i know but uh let's say that these are films that are currently shooting in post-production or have premiered at a film festival already. So these are all films that are likely to play at least at a film festival in 2023, if not open theatrically in the U S most anticipated. Yes. Uh, I think we're going to do this for Jonathan is going to give us his 10. I think we're going to have some crossover and then I'll finish up with, uh, with mine expect, expect some more, uh auteur maybe forward stuff from jonathan and then I'll, I'll give you a nice dose of the big hollywood franchises at the end yes well i put it number 10 we had last year uh boz Luhrmann's elvis film and this year we are getting sophia coppola's priscilla a biopic uh that focuses on priscilla presley it's based on her book and I don't really know the actors. This is these like these young actors, like Jacob Alordi, who's uh, we've seen in um, Euphoria. Uh, he has he's been in a couple things besides that. He's playing Elvis, I'm pretty sure. And um, someone named Kaylee Spaney. I, think I don't so. know her. No, but um, I just I kind of have this image of like her shooting in 16 millimeter and it being like Jackie, like this kind of mood portrait of what it would be like in a weird way i wonder how it would compare to like marie antoinette you know it'll be like maybe a companion piece very different tonally probably but i'm just really intrigued in seeing her doing um this era you know she's done period pieces before she did the beguiled she's done marie antoinette uh but i think she's a really unique visionary director and visionary in a small scale i mean she's not made you know any kind of big budget movies but yeah. i really uh intrigued to see what she's going to do with this especially with the lerman film just coming out last year uh and it being all this being in the zeitgeist and also tragically with the death of, of his daughter yeah so i'm uh <clears throat> much intrigued to see what this is going to be like and what her kind of uh vantage point like what what the film's going to be about and like what yeah because we've seen a couple different um takes on I, what you'd call a biopic recently because you can either do like the i guess what we've sort of called like the wikipedia entry where it's like a life story of someone or you can do well, like a, a, yeah or like a snapshot of a time in someone's life which um isn't necessarily yeah. fact or fiction which we saw with spencer um a couple years ago which i really really liked so uh, if i had to guess i'd think it'd be more like an impression like something like spencer 
or Jackie than something like Bohemian Rhapsody, but that's just a that's just a guess. <laughs> I don't expect to see like behind the scenes of the making of the Naked Gun films. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, but, I forgot that was coming out. I remember when this was uh, announced, but uh, I didn't realize that this was going to be a 2023 it's uh, release. Yeah, I see filming wrapped uh, in December. Yeah, so uh, I could see perhaps it even premiering at Cannes, but I would certainly hope it would get it. Uh, Toronto or Venice near the end of the year. So Priscilla. Uh, you want me to go on and just say mm-hmm. something? Um, my number nine has no title yet, but oh, so, wow. <laughs> uh, the Cohen brothers have supposedly, you know, I don't think there's like personal issues, like they, they're they not getting along. They just creatively have decided to go their own ways. And both of them have directed a feature film on their own, most notably uh, Joel Cohen directed The Tragedy of Macbeth. And then not the film that is on my list, but Ethan Cohen has directed a uh, Jerry Lee Lewis documentary that premiered at Cannes last year, actually before Lewis died. But uh, Ethan Cohen is in production on his solo narrative directorial uh, debut, and it doesn't have a title, uh, but it is a lesbian road trip comedy that Hell yeah. wrote with his wife, and it stars Margaret Qualley and Beanie Feldstein. Wow. So Beanie uh, Feldstein, notably a lesbian. I don't think Margaret Qualley no, is. But I, I'm very intrigued because uh, that does not... I mean, the, the Coen brothers were so eclectic in playing with the genre and, you know, would do Fargo and then do The Big Lebowski next and, you know, make a film about a, you know, 1960s folk singer. Like, you never really know what movie yeah. you're going to make. But I'm really, like, intrigued to see, like, a lesbian road trip comedy uh i just from knowing the cone brothers i expect this is going to be a period piece um i have no idea though um i don't know why i think that but don't you i don't know i sort of associate cone brothers with well i mean like half their movies at least are uh period pieces but i i haven't heard one way or the other i mean i assumed it was going to be well it doesn't even have a title yet (laughs) No, but, um, and I assume it will come out by, you know, at least, like I said, premiere at a film festival by the end of the year. So untitled Ethan Cohen project, lesbian road trip comedy. <laughs> uh, that's my number nine. That's uh, what it's going by on the street these days. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, Ethan Cohen has a film. I'm, I'm there. I'm interested because for a long time, it was, he was a producer and Joel was the director, right? And at right. some point they co-directed. That started like the 2000s, I think, right? Yeah, so um, they, they really did, you know... Co-direct all of them, yeah. Yeah, they direct them from the beginning, but Joel Cohen... Like, for example, Fargo, Joel Cohen is actually the only one nominated for Best Director, but when they got nominated for and won for No Country for Old Men... They, they both were nominated, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm very intrigued to see... Because I thought, I mean, you especially... I really liked The Tragedy of Macbeth, yeah. To be honest, I've watched that at least 10 times. <laughs> Well, you're probably one of the few people on earth <laughs> multiple times, but yeah, no, I really liked it too. So uh, we might have two Ethan Cohen films premiering theatrically in the U.S. this year. I don't know what's going to happen with the Jerry Lee Lewis documentary, uh, but that it was his uh, film that premiered all the way back in May. So I would think it will get, you know, I don't know if it, I hope it gets released in theaters, but it might just go to streaming or like HBO or well, something. That's an, an interesting person to make a biopic or a documentary about. Right. Um, just died last year, right? 
Yeah, I saw him a few years ago just before COVID perform. He was in his mid-80s. And interestingly, this is a tangent. It kind of connects to one of the films I think we're both really excited for this year. For the longest time on IMDb, do you know who is going who who's been attached in talks to do a J. Lee Lewis biopic? Martin Scorsese? Terrence Malick. Terrence, what? Like for real, look on his IMDb. It's been there for like years. Um, that's crazy yeah but um yeah so ethan cohen's uh untitled project um number my, eight yeah my number eight is probably the number one film that i hope is good and i could easily imagine it being a real disappointment uh but it is john woo's silent night so john woo is arguably the greatest living action director he's way up there uh started in hong kong with game-changing uh, action films such as The Killer and Hard Boiled. And he came to America, and uh, by far, I think almost everyone would agree his best English-language film is Face Off, also directed the second Mission Impossible film. But a number of his American films are kind of disappointing. Um, but he has this film, Silent Night, and it's an action film, and it's kind of incorrect to call it English-language because it's a dialogue-free film. Really? Yeah, it stars Joel Kinnaman, Kid Cuddy. I guess that's where the silent comes in. Yeah, and it's like because he's had such a spotty track record with his American films, like it could suck and be a real disappointment, but it could be like a late career, like masterclass in action filmmaking. Yeah, it could be like the best action movie to come out in the last 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, and um, he actually had a film uh, come out a few years ago called Manhunt that got dumped on Netflix, and I haven't even seen it, and it got fairly good reviews. I mean, people were not saying like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, compared to The Killer and Hard Boiled, but uh, yeah, I, I saw, I've only seen one of his films in a theater in their original release. He had this like five-hour uh, historical epic, Red Cliff, that was a, you know, foreign language film, uh, but yeah, I'm, I, 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 I completely can imagine that it will suck and be a disappointment. But it's it's one I really hope is good because it 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 could be awesome. Uh, John Woo, who's like about seventy five years old. I mean, he's he's like a old master. Yeah, uh, I really really want it to be good. I mean, th- don't you think it could be? Have oh a- yeah, I mean, the guy made a movie with John Claude Van Damme, and it's a masterpiece. Hard Target. Oh, I, so. that, I I enjoy <laughs> Hard Target, but uh, Jonathan, that's a masterpiece. That's a that's an incredible movie. But face, uh, would you say Face Off's his best American film? Uh yes, yeah, I would. But yeah. in some ways, I think that's. It's I'm not to say that it's like inaccessible, but I think I think Hard Target is more accessible because Face Off is so out there. Um, but it's I know it's I mean I'm sort of partial to Wind Talkers. That's a movie I watched when I was like 13. Uh, it's not a good movie, but I do like it. Um, he hasn't made like what you'd call a great movie in a in a long long time. I'm just looking at his um his filmography right now. I mean Manhunt, The Crossing, Reign of Assassins, Redcliffe paycheck i mean that's it the crossing came out like we're coming on like eight or nine years and it never got released in the u.s and i don't even know that it's available on home video or streaming in the u.s it's crazy 
but yeah, uh, I mean, so I'm I didn't even know about this movie. So you're you're breaking this to me in real time. I'm pretty excited now that you've you've discussed it. So I'll, that that's I mean, that would be on my top 10, to be honest, uh, a yeah. silent action movie directed by John Woo. I mean, that yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. Um. So that's my number eight. Um, Number seven is a film that premiered all the way back last May at the Cannes Film Festival and does have a release date of March 24th in the U.S. and limited release. It's the Dardenne Brothers' new film, Tori and Lakita. Um, have you ever actually seen any films by the Dardenne Brothers? I don't Brothers? think so. Um, they did films such as Rosetta, The Kid with a Bike, uh, and Two Days, One Night that ha- uh, Marion Cotillard got nominated for Best Actress. One of the basically the only time they've worked with like a major movie star they often have non-professional actors hmm. um and they french it sounds like yeah they're well they're they're belgian but a lot of their films oh are... okay look at but, me with my cultural insensitivity no but a lot of, they are french language films but they're, they're they're actually belgian and they're just master filmmakers they're very influential i they're not like super well known to i mean well they make foreign films they're not you know, super well known to the average moviegoer, but they're highly respected. They won the Palm Door, or even to people with degrees from Tisch and Wayu. Apparently, they they make uh, films with very they're very naturalistic. They're kind of like fly in the wall documentary, like very long takes, and I just they, they make very powerful films. And uh, this new one, the just kind of IMDb synopsis is in Belgium today, a young boy and an adolescent girl who have traveled alone from Africa pit their invincible friendship against the cruel conditions of their exile. And uh, it's supposed to pretty, uh, be a pretty harsh film, uh, you know, kind of unsparing and yeah. the, the realities of... Um, Leans more realist than expressionist, I guess. Yeah. And um, one of the, I mean, uh, during the pandemic, I caught up with some of their films. I saw Rosetta, which is one of the ones that won the Palme d'Or. I thought it was an extraordinary film, really moving. And they did one called The Child. I think those are the two that have won the Palme d'Or. They've won multiple Palme d'Ors. Yeah, they've won twice. And uh, their actual brothers, um, the the, the Darden brothers, uh, many of their films are in the Criterion Collection. Actually, their two most recent films before this got kind of, uh, mixed reviews for them because they usually get like just you know absolutely amazing reviews like 85 you know or higher on metacritic but their last two um got kind of mixed reviews for them but uh this one um has gotten fairly strong reviews i mean it's hasn't gotten a wide release you know hadn't come out in the u.s yet but uh i'm really really looking forward to this i don't know how you know won't get a lot of theaters but I'm very much looking forward to the new Darden Brothers film. Um, You're the only one. <laughs> no, no, no. Film people really admire them. Uh, I'm just not one of them. <laughs> just uh, catch, maybe catch up with one of their two of their films. And the- this seems like one of the big, big blind spots I have. We both have them, obviously. You can't see all the movies that exist in the world, but yeah, the I've Darden never- Brothers are obviously someone I need to catch up with. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to? What, say- what would you say is the most accessible movie for the someone who hasn't seen any of it? Is it two days, one night? Well, that's like, like I said, the only one really that has a major actor in it. But um, I mean, I would say Rosetta is a good one to start with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. They like made a, 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 some movies for, you know, you know, in like the 80s and 90s, but they really started their, their kind of singular 
visual style of like long takes and very fly in the wall with their film The Promise or Les Promises uh, in the mid 90s. And they've made all their films in that style. And I mean, Marianne Cotillard talked about like they'll do like an eight minute take and they'll film it 50 times. Really? Holy shit. But she completely believed in them and she said she would have done 50 more times. Well, that's uh, what you hear about some some actors who work with people who seem like uncompromising or difficult directors like uh, um, people who work with Lars von Trier. Or like, oh, it was like nothing else. Uh, it sounds like they're they're like that kind of filmmaker that actors really enjoy working with them right so um yeah i you know just go and watch some of their earlier films from the 90s and 2000s and uh yeah i mean the child rosetta beautiful wonderful films like i said a number of them in the criterion collection so uh yeah the title just to say again is tori and lakita comes out in theaters and limited release march 24th well there you go coming up next month why don't you list some of yours do you want to? Or... No, let, let's just keep going through yours. I'm okay. enjoying this. Um, my number six is a short. It is Pedro Madovar has a gay western star. That's a short? Yeah. Ethan Hawke Hawk and Pedro Pascal? Yes. Uh, this is the premise on IMDb. After 25 years, Silva rides a horse across the desert to visit his friend, Sheriff Jake. They celebrate the meeting, but the next morning, Jake tells him that reason that reason for his trip is not to go down the memory lane of their friendship. So this is a short film. Yeah, I didn't. I, I knew that he was making a movie with those two guys. I didn't know it was a short. Yeah, but he did. A, I, I actually didn't catch it because it was during the pandemic. It did play in theaters, but they did. Uh, he did a short of the human voice with Tilda Swinton, his first English language film. And I assume with it having Ethan Hawke, this is also going to be English language. Um, but, uh, you know, did you know He's that, from Texas? Who knows? You might speak Spanish. Did you know that Almodovar was in talks to direct Brookback Mountain? I saw that somewhere. Um, it would have been a different movie. Yeah, he's, they asked him how would it have been different, and he would have said... More, more sex, sex, probably, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm... Well, uh, Ang Lee is the one who ended up making right, who is not a, a gay man, so it would have been interesting to see. Yeah, it's that was, I guess there had been this is definitely a tangent like there had been movies about gay people, but I guess that's the first one I can really remember being big in the Oscars. Um, oh, yeah. So I mean, looking back, it's interesting that that was not made by a gay person. Yeah, there is Philadelphia also. But yeah, yeah. but that was like a real breakthrough, you know, watershed film. And uh, but yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, but not to give it away. I thought, I thought this was a feature movie. I'm surprised to hear that it's a short. I'd, I didn't do my research with that one. Yeah, so uh, there are two Westerns that are in uh, the top films I'm most looking forward to. One we'll certainly talk about uh, later. But, uh, I mean, no, just Pedro Almodovar has a new film, I'm there. The fact yeah. that he's a gay Western with those actors, I'm like, <laughs> my mouth is watering. I know, that's why. I, is, I guess that's just what he's doing now. So that'll be two in a row with the... Well, I guess he, technically Human Voice came out before Parallel Mothers, but for some reason I think about it coming out after. Yeah, um, and I mean, it's like, it, you know, like with all these two and a half hour movies, like I'm totally fine with a great master filmmaker doing a 30 minute short or 45. Yeah. Like more power to him. I mean, uh, he is Pedro Almodovar. Pedro Almodovar is definitely one of the most important auteur directors of our lifetime, I think you'd say. So anytime he comes out with a movie, it's worth seeing. 
Right. And I'm I'm just uh, intrigued to see like what type of Western is. I mean, yes, it's gonna be like a gay Western, but like, is it gonna be like he actually a... hasn't made a whole lot of gay movies with men at the center now that I think about it. Um it's well, usually his movies are women focused, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean he had pain and glory where it wasn't like yes, the like lead character played by Antonio Banderas was gay, but that wasn't like I think foremost like a gay film. Like it just No, that was like an eight and a half kind of director's movie. Right. Um yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested in this. I wonder what it'll come out on. What do you I mean? It probably I, won't get like a theatrical release, I guess. Well, the, the way they did the human voice is that a lot of theaters played it with uh, 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 women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, a film that's 88 minutes long. They just had it as like a double feature. They really Interesting. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like Frederick Wiseman had a film, uh, a couple come out last year that was like 63 minutes long, which is like technically, you know, by a hair, a feature film. But this one is a short, so maybe they'll like re-release one of his other films and do it the same way. Yeah, uh, but uh, looks I mean, like I, it's going to premiere at at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, I could see it being, uh, you know, I I would be surprised if it doesn't get like any theatrical release because he's such like a auteur, like major filmmaker that you know yeah. I like, I would pay ten bucks to see just a short of his in a theater. I would. I would be down. I mean, he's he's an interesting director. This is definitely becoming a tangent, but he's an interesting director to think about because to us as like Americans, he's like kind of like an art house kind of director. But in Spain, he's like box office. Like in Spain, his movies sell tickets. um, It's just sort of he's like he's big. Like he's like the biggest Spanish director you can think of like the last 30 years. So to us, he's sort of like an art house director. But and Spain, his movies actually do really, really well. So, um, right. I mean, partially it's because we're dumb Americans and we just don't <laughs> hardly ever watch subtitled films. Yeah. I mean, and his movies are so kind of sexually provocative a lot of the time. I mean, he's one of the few filmmakers that's never made a film that isn't rated R in C17. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to think of any that, that you definitely Maybe. wouldn't cover people's eyes who weren't used to that kind of stuff Cronenberg's another one but yeah I, I'm you know I, like I said with a lot of these films I'm most looking forward to it's like Pedro Almodovar has a new film uh John Woo has a new film Sofia Coppola like I'm there I don't need to know anything but just the specifics of these films are make make me even more excited well yeah I'm this one sounds really really interesting um yeah I'm, I, I'm just curious to see how it's going to come out is it going to be like a Netflix movie who knows yeah well, um, you want me to go to my top five. The top five are really like kind of set in like these are the five that I'm really the most excited about. I can give you I can give you two of mine. Okay. By, by release date to start with this. Uh, two very, very big Hollywood movies, part of very important franchises, maybe two of the biggest franchises in Hollywood. Wait the first my... the Wait. first is do you want to yeah. guess? <laughs> um i have no idea like i just really block out what unless it's like you know arty farty me it has like an auteur director i really like even forget what's coming out it's john wick for one of no i mean i was thinking about it but the first one for me coming out june 30th indiana jones and the dial of destiny directed by james mangold starring harrison ford phoebe waller bridge and mads mickelson um the thing that really makes this exciting for me is the involvement of phoebe waller bridge whose tv show 
Fleabag is probably my favorite show of the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. I think she's probably the best voice out there in terms of like creating um, really interesting uh, visual media as basically the sole creator. I don't think she wrote this movie, but um, she is co-starring as Indiana Jones goddaughter and i think is sort of trying to take over the mantle of, of indiana jones have you seen fleabag jonathan no oh i recommend that more than i would almost recommend any other piece of visual media from the last 10 years i think it's brilliant i think phoebe waller bridge is a genius um so to see another indiana jones i could see people rolling their eyes like the last one sucked this one is coming out 15 years later um how <laughs> how, how could we expect this could be good but I think James Mangold is an interesting director. I think he did pretty cool things with uh, Wolverine in his uh, his last foray into franchise media. And I think his next movie is going to be a Bob Dylan biopic starring Timothy Chalamet. So um, he's someone who's who sort of straddles um, independent cinema and uh, big Hollywood studio cinema. So I think he's a. Uh, I think he's about as interesting of a voice as you could have making a movie like that. I'd actually be really interested in seeing a Spielberg Indiana Jones movie post Fablements. I think it's like giving him a whole different sort of perspective on shit uh, to quote. uh, What movie is that? Give me a whole different perspective on shit. I'm losing it. Uh, But either way, Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny coming out June 30th. Do you have any interest in seeing this, Jonathan? It's just not to be ageist, but it just seems kind of sad that they're still doing this. I mean, Harrison Ford is like 80 years old now. He just had a big TV show come out about therapy. Know, but like it's like it's like I remember John Waters talking about the later day Three Stooges film, like when they would hit each other, like, oh my gosh, they're gonna hurt themselves. You know, it's <laughs> like there's something I mean, not that like Harrison Ford is this old feeble man in a wheelchair, but I just like the fourth one was like, I don't think the fourth one is like just like the worst film ever made and is completely awful, but it's a huge disappointment. It's one of Spielberg's worst movies. I think it's yeah, fair and, to say that. And like, like, we did an episode where we talked about the our favorite Spielberg films and we reviewed the Fablemans. Like, honestly, like Raiders of the Lost Ark might be my favorite Spielberg film. And I don't think any of the sequels come anywhere close to being as good as the first one. Like, like see, it's third... just, this is just a franchise I grew up on. Like to me, this was like how Star Wars is for most people. Like Indiana Jones for me is like the franchise. So, so anytime one comes out, I'm going to be there. I, but, but I mean, like with Spielberg, not directing it, even though I've liked a number of Mangold. Films. I know that is, that is something I, I, I'm in, I'm interested to see an Indiana Jones movie that is not Spielberg, but I I would have preferred that he had he had made this movie. But I, Phoebe Waller Bridge's involvement makes me really really excited because I think she's amazing. You probably haven't seen her in in anything, I guess. I, I'm I'm going to be like very stupid. She is I, like I get her confused with someone else. She she is not the one that's in a relationship with Martin McDonough. That's the there's a singer with like there's no. I don't think so. Who who's the one that uh, Martin McDonough is in a relationship with? There's like a, a popular singer that I get, like. I know they're like totally. Well, there's different. there's a popular singer that her name is almost identical to, which is know, Phoebe exactly. Bridgers. Yeah, that's yeah. Who that's, is in a relationship with Paul Mescal, who was nominated for Best Actor for After Sun. I don't know who who Martin McDonough is dating. I'm looking this up I on as we speak. It no. is Phoebe Waller Bridge. It is her. Yeah. Oh, I, the one that that's in the movie. The, yeah. The, Okay, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't crazy. 
<laughs> no, you aren't. Okay, but uh, so that's my first one. So you're uh, you're iffy on that. No, uh, I like I. It's it's just it could be really fun. It could be my 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 uh my hope is that it's the best sequel, but which is like but you I have mean, your reservations i mean like the third one is like three and a half out of five stars like the the second one is like pretty not good and like i just yeah it's I'm, it's not great but it's, it's got good. an amazing opening that's a tribute to busby berkeley um it's got a great kihei kwan performance which one of my favorite child actor performances um so my next one is also part of a major hollywood franchise uh it is mission impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, uh, starring Tom Cruise, Rebecca Ferguson, Haley Atwell, Simon Pegg, and Bing Rames, coming out July fourteenth, twenty twenty three, the day before my birthday. Uh, I just love the Mission Impossible movies. I think Tom Cruise is, I, I think what Tom Cruise is doing for the American public is an incredible service. He's putting his life on the line. I think that we're going to get a headline in the next couple of years. Tom Cruise dies filming Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 2. And while he's just doing this insane stuff, I'm, I'm very happy to lap up the content that he's giving us. Did I've you never, see the last Mission Impossible? I've Fall never out? seen any of them. You haven't seen any of them? You know, the first one is Brian De Palma. It's like I know. a really I, good movie. It, it's a major franchise that I actually want so to look watch. at this. You can call me out for not seeing a Darden Brothers movie, but you also haven't seen Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible. So no, <laughs> we'll call it I've, even. I've seen the pilot of the original TV show, uh, but I it's it, it. What I should do is like now, like watch one a month. So I'll be caught up because I don't want to binge watch all of them like in two weeks. Uh, but I've heard that it's a rare series where it might be like consistently there bet each one's better than the last one. At least that's how it's been since the second one. Yeah. Um, I've heard maybe the second, which is directed by John Woo, maybe it's the worst. Yeah. But, but then it's like the third is better than the fourth is better than the, and I've yes. heard yeah. maybe the best yet. The last one is, is awesome. It's got one of the great car chases in action movie history. And I love um, car yeah, I think I think you'd actually really like the Mission Impossible series. Yeah, um, I haven't avoided them. It's just that I I never saw the first ones, and then when I was old enough to like go to see the new ones in theaters, I just, just like, yeah they backed up and like what is this now the sixth one? This is like seven. It yeah, is. I think yeah. the next one is going to be the last one though. At least that's what they're telling us. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, he's sixty years old. I mean, it's not Harrison. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm really looking. No, I really do think he's gonna die shooting a movie. I mean, when we saw, I don't know if when you saw Avatar, they had this like almost yeah, but they did the stunt thing of him being like Tom, he might die. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I I so much respect that and find that more interesting than like all the CGI in the Marvel movies and even in Avatar. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if if anything, Mission Impossible is doing it in camera in a way that a lot of other franchises do not do the effects in camera and i could um, imagine with the huge success of top gun maverick that it could be the highest grossing of all the mission impossible films oh yeah i think it's going to be huge um so we get would you're on to your top five now right yeah um i i can connect it in sort of a way i have a car a car movie yeah i don't know if there'll be a car chase in the new one hey well fast 10 comes out this year yeah 
No, but uh, <laughs> actually, the day we're recording this, it is the 80th birthday of this director, is Michael Mann. Michael Mann, Mann. yeah. Uh, the biopic starring Adam Driver as the car. I don't know what exactly. Was he like a car designer? I don't, I don't even really know. He much started the the yeah the car company designer i think at the early days he was like a test driver as well yeah just, i mean just one of those uh real capitalist go-getters yeah i mean i can barely like open the hood of my car so i know nothing about cars but uh I, I, it's interesting connecting to something else we've talked about i think one of jane maybe my favorite james mangold film is ford versus ford ferrari. ferrari yeah it's like just a great like dad movie <laughs> that's what i call it but um, yeah, this is a biopic starring Adam Driver. Release date TBD. Yes, it is a um, it's in post production, and it stars uh, Penelope Cruz and Shailene Woodley and um, Michael Mann. You know he's been directing films for almost forty five years now, theatrical films, and uh, you know he's just like an ultimate stylist, and he makes just awesome awesome movies i've seen all of his films except miami vice because i'm watching tv series mostly about very lonely men <laughs> yeah uh, i mean just to refresh people's memory if they haven't seen somebody he did a thief the first hannibal Lecter film manhunter uh heat collateral last of the mohicans um i actually am one of the few people that actually quite likes his last film black cat which got really still mixed haven't with- seen it got dumped in January, but um, I, I quite liked it. And I'm a I'm big, big Michael fan, a man fan. So, uh, you know, he's done biopics before. He did um, Ali. He did, um, I don't know, Public Enemies isn't necessarily, but he's done films based on- But this would be his first theatrical movie since Public Enemies, right? Since Black Hat. Oh, Black Hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Sorry. like- I've blocked yeah. this out. Yeah, five or six <laughs> years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like he had this major director and it got- dumped in january made like 10 million dollars in the u.s box office like yeah. really bombed but i actually quite like that movie but i'm very excited for ferrari oh my goodness i mean adam driver has like the most amazing track record in like 12 years well, he's of- like literally on fire right now like yeah. <laughs> he's in everything he's in like every interesting director's next movie like literally like you could list like all nearly 20 directors he's worked with in 12 years like i mean steven spielberg scorsese Ridley scott uh you know leos carax jim jarmusch and uh some of them you know multiple times ryan johnson yeah uh jeff nichols uh my goodness he's been in so many interesting steven soderbergh but yeah um i'm i'm very intrigued by this uh like i said not a car person but but you're a michael mann person i mean oh yeah michael mann coming out with a movie is a is a thing to be celebrated i'm a man tokyo vice that came out last year which i think he directed the pilot and is kind of a creator of it but that was a bit of a disappointing show Um, i've not seen it but it's one of those things where it's like after i've watched the entire five seasons of miami vice i will eventually watch Tokyo (laughs) Vice. i love miami vice the tv show he didn't i don't think he directed any of the episodes but he was kind of in control of the visual palette of it and he was the first person to come up in the post credits as executive producer. So I think he's credited generally with the success of the show, at least. Um, right. Anthony Yurkovich, I think, created it. Right. Um, I'm so, a big Miami Vice fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so would you say uh, this is one of the films you're more intrigued for this year? Definitely. This is this is on my list, but it's in, it's under category release date TBD, um, yeah. along with what I think is your number one. 
Yeah. So um, you want me to just continue with my rank list? Well, I'll do my next and then I think we can take a break because okay. I think you alluded to the fact that you were interested in this, but this was not in your top 10. Um, it is coming out a week after Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Coming out July 21st, it is Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Killian Murphy, Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, and then what I feel like is his post-MCU like debut returning to acting, Robert Downey Jr. Um, oh, you forget Doolittle, Carter. I do, I do. Um, I'm written, really, really wait, excited wait, wait, wait. for this. Written and directed by the writer-director Siriana, which is crazy, but okay. Doolittle was? Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Um, this one uh, has... Well, Christopher Nolan, I think, is one of the few directors of big box office movies who can market a movie based on his name alone. I think Tenet was sort of pushing that to the point of an extreme because that was a movie that kind of no one knew what it was about even after they saw it. Um, so, so I think he's returning to a little more earthbound footing with this one. It's a biopic of the guy who invented the atomic bomb. Um, and it's, this is just one that looks so crazy from the trailer i don't even know what's going to happen in it for all i know christopher nolan actually did set off an atomic bomb well um, they said that he kind of i mean not literally not literally but like he's doing you know he does as much practical effects as he can and so he's, that's sort of what he's known for now to like guy who uses practical effects to the best sort of effect and using a lot of money but you know not making it like totally crazy he will um, Really blow shit up. <laughs> yeah, and we we even saw that with Tenet. He like you know ran a, a plane into the side of a building. Um, so really excited for this. I really like uh, Florence Pugh a lot. I like Cillian Murphy a lot. A lot of actors in this who I think are you know sort of at the top of their game right now. Alex um, Wolf. Yeah, there's like it's like there's like twenty five major actors in this movie. Yeah, um, and like I said, he's one of the few sort of box office directors. I think Quentin Tarantino is kind of up there as, who can market a movie just from their name alone and to make a movie about the guy who invented the atomic bomb and have it be like a major midsummer box office sensation, I think would be crazy if this movie actually does well. So uh, I hope it really does. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. And this is one where like people have like sent me the trailer and be like, Oh my God, this looks awesome. I can't wait for this. So to, yeah. to have that sort of groundswell, you know, a year from release or six months from release, I think is, I think is a good thing. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it, even though I'm kind of hit or miss with Nolan. I'm I I you don't were not a Tenet fan. I I like Tenet. I think it's his worst film. Yeah. Uh I like following even more. But I think that he is such a um unique director and he makes the movies he wants to make. I just I don't like all of the movies he makes. Um, but uh I, I, I admire you can these. at least admire the way he uses in camera effects, right? Oh, absolutely. And he shoots on film and he's making like, you know, even though I think some of his movies are not like the most profound and like actually that deep, I, I, I admire that he's making interesting, you know, adult movies on a big scale. Well, that is my final. Uh, well, no, actually, it isn't. But John has Jonathan has his top five to go. We're going to take a very short break and we will be back with you in just top a moment. Four. Top four. Sorry. So we will back with you in just a minute.
We are back to finish our countdown of the most anticipated movies of 2023. I think we are resuming on number four on your list. Is that correct, Jonathan? Yes. And my number four also does not have a title yet, like the Ethan Cohen film, but it is Woody Allen's 50th film. The 87-year-old writer-director has done, on average, a film a year since 1969 with Take the Money and Run. And this is going to be his first foreign language film. It will be in French. And it will be a drama, which I also heard is kind of like a maybe even a thriller in the vein of Matchpoint, which I think is one of his best films from this century and an uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically uh, serious movie. I mean, he's done you know some dramas in his career, but best known for his comedies or at least comedy dramas. And uh, I don't know any of the cast. I mean, the cast has been announced, but there are no actors that I was aware of. Um, but uh, he shot the movie last year and it will, I don't know when it might play theatrically in the US. Like I said, his previous film, Rifkin's Festival, premiered like a year and a half earlier at a film festival and then suddenly got dumped in January of 2022. So, um, controversial director i'm still a huge fan of his he's one of my five favorite living directors seen every one of his 49 previous films uh and i'm just intrigued just to have a new movie by him period but that it's a foreign language film that it's a drama thriller i'm there i'm totally excited for it um you know a lot of his movies you know in the last uh 20 years have not been as good as the films from the first 30 years of his career. But I still think, you know, he does a match point, uh, blue Jasmine, blue Jasmine, yeah. Midnight in Paris. And, you know, I mean, I'm a defender of him as an artist. I think that he still makes interesting films and I would much rather, much rather see, I would be, I would rather rewatch his worst film than ever watch uh, like almost any comic book film these days like that that's just how i feel um so i'm uh definitely it's funny the t- the kind of working title is wasp 22 22 <laughs> which is like woody allen something project um uh i think is what it's like uh stands for but uh yeah i'm yeah woody allen's 50th film well he's a, he's an interesting director because he's sort of pulled toward two different poles and one is like a three stooges sort of broad comedy and the no, other is like a bergman no, no, interior no, no, drama no, well, no, three stooges is not a good comparison he he started out making like airplane like throw everything at the wall and steal well, that that's to me three stooges i guess that isn't to a comedy kind of story like yeah no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, uh, Marx Brothers would be a better. Uh, well, yeah, Marx Brothers, I guess, is what I should have said. But then, and yeah, his other sort of poll is like a Bergman, like, um, you know, like very intense sort of interior drama. I mean, he even has a movie called Interiors, which I think really aspires to that. Um, so it sounds like this one is leaning towards more serious Euro drama than uh, maybe a broad comedy. Yeah. Um, but it's so. Is there any cast attached that that you're aware of? Yes, the, there's a number of actors on the IMDb page. I just don't know any of them. Because that's something that the Woody Allen movies of this century, I think, are really notable for. At least before the whole uh, 
handling of him is really really impressive cast um so him making a french language movie i'd be interested to see what french actors he would have performing in it um so no release date no title for that one no but uh i mean controversy aside like i wouldn't be shocked if it premiered at can yeah i mean yeah neither would i um let's continue with yours yeah Okay, uh, my number, my top three are all films I thought were going to come out last year. So if you could just like go back and listen to the episode that we did of, like this last year, um, the the I I don't know why they didn't come out. Uh, I mean, I know for the number one why, uh, but I mean, I think it really could have come out by the end of last year, but they didn't want to skip the fall festivals. But let's go to number three. It's the zone of interest, John. came out in 2000 then 2000 let's let's go back you cut off for a second there zone Uh, of interest jonathan glazer yeah my number three is the zone of interest it's jonathan glazer's fourth feature film and it will be his uh, first in 10 years because his previous one under the skin premiered in 2013 that's really his last movie yeah he did he's done some shorts but that will be that feels like it came out like a lifetime ago I know. And I think that's one of the five best films of that decade. I think it's a masterpiece in the credits. I mean, of the uh, trailer, there's a quote from a critic that says we have the uh, we have an heir to Kubrick. And I think he unlike sorry to say, I don't think Christopher Nolan is the second coming of Kubrick. I think Jonathan Glazer is. I think he truly is a visionary, brilliant director. And well, Kubrick's movies made money. Well, that doesn't matter. Well, that's why I think Kubrick is a unique comparison because he was an art house director who, whose movies made money, which I think is where the, the Nolan comparison comes in. But in terms of the content and the actual like achievement of his movies, Glazer might be closer. Yeah, well, yeah but Nolan, like his, he's not nearly to me as artistically like as a Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but... that's why Kubrick's so that's why he's so unique. But uh, but but nevertheless, uh, under the skin, I think, like I said, is a masterpiece. And this film is, is. Based, uh, the zone of interest is a, based on a novel, and it is about the Holocaust. And supposedly, one reason it's taken so long is that because it finished shooting over a year ago, is that he's playing with the idea of doing multiple cuts of the film that have different perspectives. I've read that. Uh, idea like that, a that, Rashomon kind of thing, but different movies. Yeah, there was a film. I don't know if you ever saw them a few years ago with uh Jessica Chastain, where they had like the him and her versions of this like yeah. Movie. Um, and I don't know what he's gonna do with it, but um, it stars uh the lead actress who played the daughter in Tony Erdman, one of my favorite films of the oh, one of my other favorite previous uh favorite films of the previous decade. Um, and like very little is known about the movie, just that basically Jonathan Glazer has done a Holocaust film that's based on this novel. It's that in Auschwitz, it seems. Yeah. And it's also um, like Under the Skin is, I have never read the novel, but it's like supposedly very, very, very loosely based on the novel. So yeah. uh, you read the novel, it's not necessarily. Uh, but yeah, the premise on IMDb is a, not, a Nazi officer falls in love with the woman of the commander of the Auschwitz concentration camp. It so, sounds heavy as hell. I'll say that yeah. much. But uh, I'm I'm very intrigued. Uh, he's a he's, he is Jewish. He's British. 
um i'm very intrigued to see what he's what the movie's going to be because especially with it being a 10 well let's ask this question what percentage chance do you think it is it comes out this year I think, I mean, the the second one I'll go ahead and say is the Malik film, which he shot before COVID. That could be another five years before that one comes out. <laughs> so that's like a 20%. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that it will at least premiere at a film festival. Like under this. Do you think stage, it's 100% it, it premieres? No, this year. no, no. I, I think it's I think it's it's quite likely that it will at least premiere at a film festival uh, sometime this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and he is, uh, I mean, I haven't seen all of his movies I've seen under the skin. I mean, he is known as like one of the great auteurs of this century. So yeah. there will be fanfare in the film community when his movie does premiere at, at a festival, if it does. And similar in a way to uh, Todd Field in that it wasn't as long. I mean, there was like a 16 year gap, I think, between Little Children and Tar. Yeah. Uh, they both had their first films come out right around the same time, I think. Well, Sexy Beast was 2000 in the bedroom, I think 2000. 2001, 2002. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, very sparse uh, spread out. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm very, very excited for this. I mean, I mean, I really, I'm mean, birth is a, 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 a really solid movie. I, I don't know that it entirely works, but Sexy Beast, have you ever seen Sexy Beast? I've seen the YouTube compilation of Ben Kingsley cursing in Sexy Beast, but I've never seen the whole movie. Amazing. It's one of the best uh, random. It's one of the best films under 90 minutes, 89 minutes long. Great film. You you should watch Sexy Beast. And he's only made three movies. It's Sexy Beast, Birth, and... Yeah, Under the Skin. Under the Skin, that's it. Yeah, so the zone of interest, very excited. So you think he he very much is deserving of this this place that he's been set upon as one of the great auteurs of the century absolutely i think that and and largely because even though it sounds like you're not a big fan of his second movie no 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 i i, I like it's like sexy beast and under the skin are like five out of five stars and birth is like four out of five okay yeah it's like it's it it's kind of like it's it, nicole kidman's amazing in the film and it's like this incredibly well-directed film it just is like i don't know that it quite 100% works it's like yeah. a, a little bit of like a twilight zone episode stretched to a feature film and it, i don't know that but it's really compelling movie uh provocative film but under the skin is like top five of the previous decade masterpiece it's something me. else yeah yeah uh it's, so, it's unlike most movies anyone will have ever seen so my num- my number two is one that i think is also high on your list of most anticipated well, I don't even know where to categorize the Terrence Malick movie now. Yeah, so it's The Way of the Wind, not The Avatar. The Way of Water. <laughs> it's not the third Avatar film. But so uh, he shot this in 2019 before. Well, should we give background on like who Terrence Malick is? Do you think he's well, someone I most people are familiar with? Well, no, but so he is a director who um, is 79 years old. Yes, notably uh, reclusive. Yeah, so he shot uh, two of the best films i think of the 1970s yep this is really random i'm like talking about all these things like numerical like i'm uh, asperger's but it's like they're both like exactly the same time they're like 94 minutes i think 90 like they're they just over 90 minutes long then went 20 years without making a film and came basically yeah the thin like literally 20 years it was 78 days of well, it's sort of like uh, rumors started coming out in like 95 that like, oh, Malik's making a movie again. And there's a whole lot of sort of mythos about Thin Red Line that every actor in Hollywood read for it. But when it came out, it was a big, big thing. I think that I would I would put that as one of my favorite top five movies of all time. I think the Thin Red Line. 
yeah i remember the first episode we ever did was uh like the 10 movies that made us yeah Uh, that was a big one um so yeah that came out nominated for best picture best director too i think yep and uh and then and then there was a little bit of a few years but then what's crazy is like in the previous decade he had like seven films come out i think well, there was a bit when I was like in college and I think when we were at NYU where it's like he was having a movie come out like every year and a half. And I was like, oh, yeah. what's what's this? Yeah. Yeah. He had the tree of life. He had his what I call his trilogy of white A-list movie stars twirling in a field, whispering <laughs> narration with uh, To the Wonder, Knights of Cup and Song to Song. And then you have his documentary Voyage of Time and A Hidden Life. And there was like a longer version that's of the documentary that's never been released theatrically no. but so i saw the, that documentary in theaters in the yeah I did too. The, the short <laughs> the imac so yeah, it was uh, great they had six films in the previous decade but his previous film a hidden life was one where it was on a few of my most anticipated lists and it took so long to come out that one that two of the main actors died before yeah. it um, Bruno Gantz was one of and the lead actor from the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo original films. Um, so this film, just to, you know, what is known about it is that it's, quote, a retelling of several episodes in the life of Christ. It's going to be a biblical film. It stars Matthias Schoenartz, Mark Rylance is the devil, Ben Kingsley. Um, and like, I'm there for like, I mean, it's like, oh, when's this ever going to come out? But like, it could be like the tree of life. Like this is like decade best, like masterpiece. Like never doubt Malik. I can't imagine what this movie is actually going to look like. I'm uh, like, imagine it being like, <laughs> not, not in any way, like the, like the crazy violent passion of the Christ, but like, imagine like just this like crazy auteur, like biblical epic. I, it sounds like it's going to be like the greatest work of art any person's ever made. Oh. When I say epic, I don't necessarily mean like Ten Commandments, uh, Darren Aronofsky's Noah, like giants. No, like, like a like a Ulysses kind of epic, like an internal epic of the human soul. Uh, I, I mean, Terrence Malick's been a person who's been like concerned with like the big questions, like the meaning of life, like who created us, stuff like that. I mean, most of his movies sort of take place at his. The big notable thing about his movies is the 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 narration, the almost like disembodied voices that come at the audience that are mostly in the interrogative asking questions is his movies are very much about asking questions, not necessarily with answers answers. Um, so to have him actually like address the subject of Christ and Satan to me is it's like inconceivable. I have no idea what this movie is going to end up looking like or sounding yeah. like or even being. I know, and it's like you know, you know, like let's bet money. What's going to happen first? This film coming out or Christ coming back? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's even money because, yeah. yeah, <laughs> like, literally, this was shot like four years ago, right? Yeah, in 2019, it was like the principal photography was done well before COVID. Yeah, and- I mean, but Tree of Life, I think, took him about five years to edit, so we're just about on par for Terrence yeah. Malick. And you know, I think part of it is that. I've, I mean, it's hard to because he's so secretive. I mean, one of the funny things is that like r- literally w- like some of the like only footage that exists of him is him being filmed by TMZ because they were filming Benicio Del Toro and they didn't even realize till they got back to the office. That it's like, were, oh, my God, it's Terrence Malick. <laughs> and they literally compared it to like finding footage of Bigfoot. Yeah, um, it's like the one cameo he has in uh, Badlands. And it's like, oh, that's that guy. 
I know it's like that is his IMDb photo. <laughs> a picture from 1972 or 1973 or whatever. But yeah, but yeah, so I, I mean this would be number one for me, but I didn't even like consider it being on my list because to me, like this exists outside of time. Like this might as well be like the second coming of Jesus. Like <laughs> it's like it's a film that if he finishes it, like it totally could come out this year. Yeah, it could come out like tomorrow. <laughs> like I have no idea. Like, 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 and I, I mean, there's a website I've made. I don't want to even say it, but that annoys me because the guy posts things that I don't think he really knows what he's talking about. He says, sources tell me, I heard a few months ago, he said that it's nowhere near ready for even can. Uh, I'd believe that. Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the things that perhaps, you know, his movie, like he, sh- I mean, like with the thin red line, um, Adrian Brody was the star of the film. Basically. Yeah, he doesn't even speak in the movie. He's like, ba- he's like almost a background extra in the finished film. And he went to the premiere not knowing that. Yeah. But I think that with the new film, I think part of it is that he just has shot so much material and he crafts his movie so much in the edit that there's just like an unlimited like ways he could go with it it's way of the wind but it's like you go this way could go that way in some ways like the worst thing that could have happened to him is digital photography because now it's like unlimited like he can shoot as much as he wants because i'm not sure if this was shot on film or not i mean uh, from how his movies look recently in the last 10 years i expect they would have been shot digitally um that's just a guess but who, who who the hell knows so i think your number one and my number one are the same so i have two remaining okay. movies with release date sorry release dates i just can't say anything correctly um are my next two both coming out in november uh the first one is dune part two directed by denis villeneuve starring timothy chalamet zendaya javier bardem and additionally who were not in the first movie austin butler Florence Pugh and Christopher Walken some exciting casting uh that comes out November 3rd um I really appreciated the first Dune for how well it integrated CGI into in-camera effects and sets I thought it achieved the sort of seamless integration of those two things better than most movies I've seen in recent memory um I guess, could we call Dune a big franchise at this point? I guess it technically is, but it's like an artsy big franchise. Um, It's it's at least pre-existing material. It's, yeah, I what do they call that now? Uh, IP. IP, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I admired the first film without really liking it that much because it's just not my type of film in general, the like kind of science fiction film and i found it a little ponderous but i really admired it on a technical level and i certainly will see the new one and i'm intrigued to see christopher you know christopher walken yeah, i know right <laughs> i mean because he, he's a great actor but he kind of always does you know walk you know you know one movie i watched recently where i forgot how good he is in it is catch me if you can um, yeah supporting actor nomination yeah very few times we actually get to see him really like act he he's someone who kind of takes a paycheck oh i mean more often at, than you'd like i mean he like look i mean it's embarrassing some of his like he's in the country bears uh <laughs> movie he was in a movie of um that barry um barry sonnenfeld directed called like nine lives about a cat he was in click like he's been in so yeah. many girls 
movies. But then he does something like he's really great in um, the remake of Hairspray. He's in a Todd Salon's film, Dark Horse. I heard he's wonderful. I haven't seen it, but he's on that Ben Stiller uh, sci-fi drama Severance. I've heard he's really good in that. Oh, yeah. So maybe he's in like a late career comeback. Um, so that's my first one. The second, I'm surprised this isn't in your top 10, to be honest. It's uh, starring maybe your favorite actor actress in the whole world uh the killer directed by david fincher starring michael fassbender and tilda swinton coming out november 10th on netflix did you know about this movie how is this on your top 10 no it's it's definitely one i want to see i just uh it's other movies i'm even more excited for for me david fincher is like one of the great american directors he's like you say a great director who you're there first in line when they come out with the movie for me David Fincher is definitely on that list. Yeah, not the first time he's worked with Tilda Swinton. Do you remember he's she's in Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Button? Yeah, in this weird Russia thing where he has this sort of first tryst with the woman. Right. Uh, I know Benjamin Button about as well as anybody. I've seen that movie probably more than I should admit. Um, but the killer sounds really, really fascinating. Michael Fassbender has been in sort of a weird place in his career. Um, he came out really, really hot with Hunger and Inglorious Bastards and um fish tank i want to throw out that's yeah, a fish tank so one of our like better actors but in the last five six years or so i think um has not quite been in the spotlight or in as good of movies as maybe would we would have expected but um this year or i'm not sure when the next taika watiti movie comes out next goal wins though he's in that i think that might be coming out this year but then the killer so him and david fincher i'm very very excited to see what they come up with this is like Sounds like a kind of like born identity kind of maybe like European espionage, but also maybe like a serial killer movie. Um, anyway, the killer sounds like just a perfect title for a David Fincher movie. So, you know uh, what? I want to throw out another movie I'm interested in this year. That's like it seems like I, it just listen to the premise. If uh, it follows Gary Johnson, a staff investigator who plays the role of a hitman to catch individuals ordering a hit. The film's titled Hitman. It stars Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick. Guess yeah. who the director is? Uh, John Hillcoat. Richard Linklater. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Post-production. That sounds pretty cool, actually, because he was in a previous uh, Linklater movie. He was in Everybody Wants Some. So. Yeah. Uh, That's so, pretty cool sounding, actually. Yeah. So uh, now... We're he's down- someone who's almost a movie year kind of guy actually even if it's not a big release yeah he had a one come out last year that went straight to netflix that i would have yeah. watched if it was in a theater but i'm like oh it's on netflix i'll watch it five years from now but even before that it was like last flag flying and where'd you I'll go see you bernadette yeah where'd you go bernadette yeah um, okay. so we, yeah. we definitely have the same number one i think i should let you take the honors to introduce yeah. it so it's killers of the flower moon Martin Scorsese, who turned 80 last November. It's his uh, first Western. It's his first feature film with both Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, who he's his worked His two great muses of his yeah, career. Who, who've been in uh, at least five films each with him. Also, it's started- like 10 for De Niro, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, DiCaprio started with him with his uh, first film of this century, Gangs in New York, and has worked with fairly consistently um and it also has a possible 
uh, in a few weeks, Best Actor winner, uh, Brendan Fraser, John Lithgow, Lily Gladstone, who's in the Kelly Wright. It film. seems like Jesse Plemons is like the star of this from what I've I've heard the Nero is like very little in it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he really went to it's based on a book based on true history. Jesse Plemons has been in the Scorsese movie. He was in the Irishman. Yes. The premise on IMDb members of the Osage tribe in the United States are murdered under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, sparking a major FBI investigation involving J. Edgar Hoover. It's based on the book by David Gran. I've not read it. I probably bestseller though. Yes. Um, so, uh, I mean, Scorsese, I'm there just that. Uh, doing a western it's like I, in a weird way i compare it to like spielberg doing his first musical uh, uh west side story yeah and uh it's another streaming film he did uh the well, let's let's stop on that for a second with the scorsese western thing because um like anyone who's written like a film theory paper can talk about taxi driver and how that's influenced by the searchers so it's like really obvious to everybody even in the uh, mean streets there's a the searchers is in main streets they have like they show them uh watching the searchers in main street so obviously westerns have had a big big influence on scorsese's career so how much do you think this is going to be like a western or how much do you think it's going to be like a crime movie that takes place in the west well it's the question of genre of like what ma- it's like is raging bull a sports film or is it just yeah. about a pick about a sports figure i mean genres are flexible i mean but no- some directors play more into genres than others do. Well, he's one of the most uh, film. Li- I mean, I would argue the he most- probably is the most film literate director. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if, if it's not like a out and out Western in kind of the typical sense, like Three Ten to Yuma or, you know, Unforgiven or, you know, some uh, it's like Lonesome it's, Dove. It's, I mean, The Power of the Dog is a Western, but it's not like a western western yeah it's like how brokeback mountain is a western yeah and like you know it's no country for old men i think that's kind of a western in a way i mean i guess the big question is you think there's going to be a shootout well but that doesn't i mean but that doesn't make it a western or more to me i mean for like a classical genre of like what a western is it doesn't have to be an action film to be a western to me, it has to be in what Thomas Schatz calls like one of those sort of genres of disputed places where it's like a place that is in chaos and a strong person comes in and sort of enacts order on the place that was chaotic. And that finishes with a shootout. And that's where I guess when we get in the 20th century or 21st and we're more aware genre, we can play with that more. But well, I'd, I'd be really interested to see Scorsese do a shootout. I think that'd be awesome. Well, I think that it's going to be a very one thing is that Lily Gladstone, who I was saying was wonderful in the Kelly Wright art film, Certain Women. Uh, she said that the film was like drastically uh, rethought of when the Scorsese very wisely got involved with actual Osage uh, Native Americans and that like it it changed drastically. She was like it's a almost a, a different film from what it initially was. And that he really got involved with real Native Americans and had their input into the film. So I'm expecting it to be this a bit more subversive than well violent, but not like in a fun shootout way, but like this I mean it's about a massacre. It's gonna be like a really What's well, not necessarily about a massacre. I thought it was more about like targeted well, like but clandestine not, killings. Well, I mean, it's about 
it's about the investigation. It's about the almost like a genocide of a native population. Yeah, I but mean, I didn't think that was in like a one fell swoop kind of thing, which I guess you can call a genocide if it doesn't all happen at once. Yeah, um, I, I'm just, you know, I, I, I haven't read the book either, but I, I'm aware of it, and I, it's, it's one of those ones where because it's based in history, I'm kind of upset that I kind of know what happens, but. Spoiler alert, the Titanic sinks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that uh, DiCaprio's in it and he played Jagger Hoover in the Clint Eastwood film, I think was miscast, did the best yes. with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, 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 it's the type of movie, I don't want to watch the trailer when it comes out because I just am yeah. so excited for it. I don't want to see the images. I don't want to know. Well, I mean, I, well, we need to bring up, I guess, who's releasing it, which is Apple. Yes. Um, and it's uh, we sort of see the budgets like quoted for stuff like this. I know the Irishman was a big, big budget because of how much de-aging and stuff they have to do. But I've seen like 250 million for this, which it's yeah. like, where does that money go? Like what what happens in this movie? I remember hearing on a podcast, they didn't say Scorsese, but I remember I'm pretty sure that's who they were talking about. But or if, if it wasn't, it fits. Uh, someone was saying that uh this they said a major director would go from studio to studio over the years and they so respected him that they kind of just went well who's going to make his next film and lose money like they just kind of like we and you know you know and also it could be five hours long you know (laughs) you know know, his movies have been leaning towards longer i mean Uh, if i had to bet i'd think it'd be shorter than the irishman yeah he hasn't made a narrative film under two hours since the color of money. And that's an hour and 59 minutes. Is that for real? Yeah. And also interestingly, the only Holy shit, what's the last one he made under two and a half? Like, Hugo. Um, yeah, Hugo probably, but uh, it's interesting that the, uh, the only film he's directed this century, that's not a period piece is the departed. The one he finally won best picture, best director for, but um, I think that it is going to get a wider theatrical release than The Irishman. I mean, even though with Glass... Or like Coda, other sort of Apple yeah, movies. Like their Apple movies will play at the multiplexes. I saw Coda at a Regal Theater. Um, but uh, it just, like, you know, he, he's only going to have like three or four movies after this one, probably. I mean, like I said, he's 80 years old. So, like, I don't know. Like, it's like, oh, will he be able to keep making... A, these massive budget films like well he's i don't know what else he's gonna do i've heard he wants to do a dean martin film uh he, yeah. you know i mean I, he, I think he's he's got a few with like dicaprio is attached is he directing the jerry garcia film with jonah with, hill yeah so he, he is lining up stuff so yeah but i mean he's I, someone I, who's in an interesting spot just like spielberg like because i think they are being very deliberate about what they make going forward but also I mean, it's crazy. We have a lot of directors are really reaching up there in age. I mean, but Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola has a movie that might come out next year. Yeah, Spielberg. Uh, the, I mean, they, they weren't like huge box office bombs, but both West Side Story and The Fablemans, and it, we have to say they came out during COVID, but yeah. they really underperformed for Spielberg films. I think there are some directors that are just so high up there and respected that, like, they're people aren't going to turn them down. Yeah, and but but then again, like it took. De, you know De Niro and Scorsese like over a decade to get the Irishman made. Yeah, why they had to do the DH because I got so <laughs> that was a whole other conversation. I know, but uh, I mean, it's it is sad to me that uh, you know it's 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 
there are plenty of directors that are, you know, I think can be mentioned in the same sentence as Scorsese. I mean, he's like top five, maybe the best living American director working, but it's like, there are major amazing directors that like haven't made a film in many years because they can't get the money. It's not like David Lynch could get $250 million from Apple. No, I mean, basically he had to go to television to make that, uh, you know, massive work. It's really just Scorsese and Spielberg, but. And then there's weird people too that like, like I feel like Robert Zemeckis can make whatever movie once for. Doesn't like a- Spielberg have a movie coming out next year? No, I don't think so. I thought he was shooting something. I don't know if it'll come out next year, but yeah, I like without. I'm very excited if the Malik film ever comes out uh, this year. But I'm without question, Killers of the Flower Moon is just. Uh, I'm. Uh, I, I can't wait for it, and I hope yeah. that if it premieres, it can which it seems very likely that it will. I hope that it comes out like very shortly after theatrically in the US and they don't wait until the fall like film festival uh, awards season to release it. Like, I because I honestly think the reason that it didn't come out last year is that he went and they reshot or they added this epilogue. And honestly, I think that like it was done by December. Like they could have yeah. released it, but they just didn't want to skip all the fall film festivals. And I heard some theory, I don't know that I really believe this, but I heard some idea that he didn't want, not even that he was like competitive, but like they wanted Spielberg to have his film that year and not like. I love that because Scorsese knew that his was just going to blow it out of the water. Uh, I'm excited for this because, I mean, it's so weird because in some ways it feels like a sort of niche, like film people movie but it's 250 million dollars and it's starring Leonardo DiCaprio which is going to make it a big thing like you know DiCaprio is going to be doing like the Tonight Show and Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that promoting it um, um, I wanted to point out because that- DiCaprio hasn't been in the movie in a little bit too right I guess no. Don't Look Up came out and then before that it was I don't yeah. know what yeah, I mean, he, like in the last like seven years, he's only been in like I think four or five movies. Like, he it just, seems like The Revenant took a lot out of him. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I this is kind of a, a little bit. You mentioned it that there are like seven of my very favorite living directors that are all born within like a uh a eighteen month period that are all eighty or going to be eighty, including Michael Mann who turned eighty the day we're recording. Martin Scorsese, Werner Herzog, Michael Mann, Terrence Malick will turn 80 uh, next no- uh, this November. Um, oh. Mike Lee turns 80 uh, in like uh, less than two weeks. D- David Cronenberg turns 80 in March. So like there's like this, I don't know what was going on in the world. <laughs> this is the war. I know. <laughs> it's but, World War II. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like, I don't like to think about it, but like, honestly, Scorsese probably has two or three more films left. You never know, because Clint Eastwood made like he's made like seven past the age Scorsese is now. But he's super prolific. He He is, which Scorsese isn't. Yeah, yeah, we're an interesting spot with him because if I, I mean, if I had to like say who like the most the the directors like I guess I wouldn't say like impacted my life, but I guess who's like movies I've seen the most and I think consider to be like the great American director it would be Martin Scorsese. So. uh, before we leave, let's just uh, you want to rattle off a few that are you're excited for or ones that you have a suspicion they may not actually come out this year. But if they do, there aren't too many for me, so you can start. OK, well, 
we said Priscilla, Sofia Coppola's new film, uh, Megaopolis, Francis Ford Coppola's first film in over 12 years. Uh, he is shooting this big science fiction film that he's completely self-financing. And there was this kind of nasty article, this tabloidy story about, oh, it's going to be like Apocalypse Now. There's all this turmoil on the set. And then he released a statement and Adam Driver did too that like, no, everything's going cool. There's just some creative differences and there was ideas that he's running out of money and they're not going to be able to finish, you know, they, they don't have the money. He's using up all his wine money on this. Yeah, but it has Adam Driver. Uh, it has Shia LaBeouf, John Voight, Lawrence Fishburne, Aubrey Plaza, uh, a really crazy cast, great cast. They're shooting it in Atlanta. Um, so Megapolis, I don't, I think cause it's like so special effects heavy, I have a feeling it won't actually be ready until 2024, but if it does make it this year, I'm certainly excited for that. Another one that um, I'm really excited for, um, I'll just mention a few that came out already at Film Well, Fest. let me say one, Asteroid City, the Wes Anderson movie. There's going to be two Wes Anderson films this year. Yeah. There's uh, the uh, his second role doll adaptation. The uh, His Henry big Stern. deal with Netflix. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's, I want to mention real quick that there are two films by two different directors who both all uh they've all premiered or about to premiere uh i mentioned uh, my favorite films of last year that saw uh, uh sang hong sang so is his south korean director he had a film premiere last year called walk up that's going to open march 24th and he has one premiering at berlin called in water so he has two more films coming out and then there's this a director named Ulrich seidel who made these two companion piece films rimini and sparta and he makes really dark depressing like <laughs> slit your wrist movies um also just a few more big box office movies yeah nuri bilge silent is this turkish director whose previous two films have been over three hours long uh one of them won the palm door winter sleep i'm a big fan of his he has a new film that's um i think the translation is like on dry grass uh, it's also going to be over three hours long. It's almost certainly going to premiere at Cannes. Um, I'm excited for Todd Haynes' new film, May, December, lesbian romantic film with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Um, another one I just want to mention quickly that is in the category kind of of Silent Night and that it could be good. Or it um, might be garbage. Uh, Gareth Evans, who did the Raid films, which I love. Yeah. He has an action film called Havoc starring Tom Hardy, Timothy Oliphant, and Forrest Whitaker. Havoc so, is a Steven Soderbergh movie, isn't it? No. What was the one with uh, the UFC fighter? Haywire. Haywire. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to mention real quick? Uh, not anything I can really think of. It's amazing to me. Gareth Evans is having a movie come out. Um, has he made anything post the raid? You might have just said, but an apostle that came yeah. on. Now. We've never seen, but uh, yeah. I'm excited for Barbie. Still is coming out supposedly the same day as Oppenheimer. That's yep. July is going to be a big month, apparently. Um, but really looking forward to 2023. I mean, if we we're going to have a Scorsese movie, if we have a Malik movie, I'm going to just like you know maybe ascend into heaven. I don't know what'll happen um, if it actually ends up coming out. But um, we are done with 2022. Looking forward to 2023. You've seen a 2023 movie, Infinity Pool. Yeah. I have not. I would have been in my top 10 most anticipated, but we did it so late that it's yeah. already I've seen it, which I did like. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next time. <laughs> <laughs>